2 Peter chapter 1. We'll kind of continue our thoughts uh, here. As, um, we've been kind of focusing on, on this passage. And I'd like for us to just uh, start out by reading the first 11 verses. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by Him by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and is forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be ever be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we, we looked at chapter 1. We really looked at the whole book uh, a few weeks back. Uh, Matt and I did on, uh, I guess it's been two or three weeks ago now. And then last week, Evan was supposed to cover faith and virtue, but he bailed on me. And uh, I cover knowledge and self-control, um, so I'm going to step back today and catch faith and virtue. Um, and then Stephen will follow, follow that up with uh, perseverance and godliness. And then I believe uh, next week y'all will cover uh, the last two, so brotherly kindness and love. And so today I'd like for us to focus there on faith and virtue, and, and I think there's some things uh, and I want to point out again kind of the importance of looking at, uh, you can call it a list or this, you know, excerpt versus really five through seven that are uh, these things that we're supposed to add to our faith. Uh, but if you look there in verse five, but also for this very re- reason, giving all diligence. So why should we give that diligence that he's talking, that Peter's talking about here? Uh, it's because of verse four, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be protected of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world through lust. So uh, those precious promises, I believe he's talking uh, there in verse 11 again, you know, verse 4 and 11, kind of the same thing there. Um, For so an issue will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. So that's the precious promises that I believe Peter's talking about. Essentially, pay attention to this list and give a diligence. Why? To obtain heaven. Uh, to to get that promise uh, that that we've been given of this everlasting kingdom that will be supplied to us uh, abundantly, as Peter says there, if we do these things. And also in verse 8, he says that uh, if these things are, are ours, if we add to our faith these things, uh, that we will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. And we do not want to be that. Uh, and he tells us if you don't do these things, we're short-sighted to blindness. And for, we've forgotten that we were cleansed from our old sins. And we talked... Uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and last week about this idea of, uh, you know, this idea of forgetting uh, that we were cleansed from our old sins. You know, we're, we're saved, we, we become a Christian, and then we have to be doing something. And I think Peter here is saying that you've forgotten everything 
you've forgotten your salvation if you don't do these things. So really that's, that's void or, or in vain uh, there to have done so. And then there in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. So here again he's, he's telling us to be diligent twice. Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And so, of course, I, I know that's all of our goal is to, uh, our goal is to be in heaven. What our goal here in this life is to, to not sin, to not stumble. And Peter's telling us, focus on these things and you won't. And so we're going to focus today on faith and virtue. And, uh, you know, if you noticed, uh, most of Matt's songs were on faith. I don't know, uh, necessarily if that was intended, but there's not, a lot in our Bibles about virtue per se, that, that word virtue. And, and, you know, I just thought about that when he was picking his songs. There's not a lot in our books that, you know, really say, um, this idea of virtue or in our, in our Bibles, it would also be moral excellence or excellent or upright is kind of how, uh, that, that word is kind of used depending on if you're in the Old or New Testament. Um, but if you look there in verse 1, we're going to start with faith. If you look there in verse 1, to those who have, to, who have obtained a like precious faith. So I think there you also, depend on, like if you're in the New American Standard, that'll be received. Um, received or obtained. So faith is something that can be received or obtained. I think that's the first thing we learn about faith um, in, in this chapter. And then I think there in verse 5, what else we learn is he says, add to your faith. And so there's two more things I think we learn there. That faith, our faith can be added onto. So it's not something that should be stagnant. Peter's not wanting us to just have, you know, we enter in as a Christian at our level of faith here and stay here. He's wanting us to add. And what are we adding here? Specifically, we're adding these things that we're talking about. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. But... I think it's something that's active. He's telling us to be diligent in this. So our faith is to be added to. And what else is in, I guess he says it here, it's yours. It's a personal thing. It's not a, it's not something that's, you know, outside of you. It is supposed to be yours. It is a, a personal thing. And that's something, and I, you know, I think we ought to, um, really take into consideration. It's not anyone else's faith. It's not the faith of, Anyone, anyone else here or anyone else that we know, we're supposed to have our own, and it needs to be our own. Let's flip over to Hebrews 11. It almost seems like you, you can't really talk about faith without turning there. Uh, at least I can't. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So here I think we kind of, you know, uh, the writer here is laying out uh, for us uh, really what faith is, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then he says there in verse 2, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So by faith, uh, the elders before us, uh, the faithful before us obtained a good testimony. So that is through faith. Look at verse 6, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that, is it, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so... Here we learn that we, we're not going to please God without faith. And what's, what's the writer here put emphasis on uh, about our faith? We must believe, um, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. So you have to believe that God is who he said he is. And you also have to believe 
that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, so that he will reward you. He will supply to you that everlasting kingdom, that entrance that Peter talks about into that everlasting kingdom. You have to believe that he'll do that if you do what he tells you to do. And so here I think we also learn that that faith can also, to some degree, be interchangeable with belief. It's what we believe. And you know, Matt's been uh, talking for the past several weeks about the prophecies of Jesus. And what did he keep saying in that class? It's the mountain of evidence that puts you to believe these things, puts you to have faith in these things. Um, and, And he's right. God does not ask us or require of us to have a blind faith. Just... Just believe because I say. He gives us a reason why. Uh, he, he is who He says He is, and He gives us, and He always keeps His promises, so that builds our faith. Um, and, you know, if you think about it in the most simplest forms, uh, you know, we already looked there in, in Hebrews 11, but if you'll turn to 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. I'll spend a little bit of time, uh, really, you know, and I just want to break it down very simple uh, about who our faith should be in. Uh, of course, Hebrews answered a lot of that, but I want to look at this passage as well. Hebrews, or 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And so... You know, he, he says, believe in God and have the faith in God here in one verse. And I think that's something that we really need to focus on is what is, since it is our faith, what is our faith in? What is it rooted in? What is it grounded in? And it should be grounded in God and who He is. Um, let's look at Second Thessalonians. And I'm just kind of looking at some attributes of, of faith and uh, really trying to... Just define it a little bit. Second Thessalonians one. I want us to look at how uh, we can grow our faith. Of course, Second Peter talks about adding to it, uh, but how how does it strengthen? How do we grow it? Second Thessalonians one, starting at verse three. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. In the love of every one, in the love of every one of you, all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for for which you suffer. And so, if you look there uh, in verse three, uh, because your faith grows exceedingly. You know, that's why uh, here specifically uh, Peter's saying that he's giving thanks for them because their faith grows. Here again, it's something that can be added to. It's something that, that God wants us to, to be nurturing, to be growing. Uh, and then I think verse 4 uh, really tells us why it's growing. So that we ourselves boast of you among the church of God that for your patience and faith in your persecutions and tribulations. And so, and I think if you flip over to James chapter 1, really kind of um, adds to that thought. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so here I think we see this thought that, 
Our faith is going to grow through what? Through trials. That's how our faith is going to grow. And understanding uh, that through those trials, God is with us and God will provide for us and that He always keeps His promises. He always delivers us uh, out, of, out of these trials. Uh, but that's how our faith is going to grow. It's going to produce something. Here it produces patience uh, through these trials. Your faith produces patience. Uh, and so I think that's something important for us to remember is that even though we might be going through trials, that's when our faith is strengthened the most. And so we should take those things on uh, with joy as he talks about here in James, take it on with joy because it's going to produce something that God wants. It's going to produce something that we need. So take those trials on with joy. It's going to help our faith. Also, let's flip back to 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 3 and verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. Thus by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. And so what's Paul saying here? He's saying that he has sent somebody so that he could figure out uh, their faith. It seems like he was a little anxious about this for, it, for this reason when I could no longer endure it. So he's, he seems to be a little anxious to figure out where they are spiritually. He sent to know their faith and why? Because the tempter uh, could tempt them and his labor could be in vain. So that tells me that we can lose our faith. So even though uh, we have faith, we can lose it. And so I think that's something that we should take into account and step back and, and be willing to accept that, you know, the tempter, which would be Satan, he's trying to steal it from us. He's trying to take it away from us all the time. And so we need to be uh, mindful of that and focused on that and, and not allow that to happen. Let's flip back to First Peter. I know we were in First Peter a minute ago. First Peter 1, 6 through 9. Don't want to leave us on a bad note on faith. I'm, after this passage, we're going to switch to talking about virtue. First Peter, one six through nine. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And here, I know we've already hit on this, but I think uh, Peter is evidently driving this home here again uh, for his audience. He's saying, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So uh, us realizing that we need to be adding to our faith, growing our faith. Why? Because our faith, the end of our faith, is the salvation of our souls. That's what, what's ultimately going to get us to heaven, to that everlasting kingdom, is our faith. And so we don't need to lose focus on growing it, nurturing it, and adding to it. Now I want to switch gears and start talking about virtue for a minute. Um, <clears throat> like I say, virtue is not a word that I think most of us typically use in our vocabulary. Uh, I know I don't think of it as, as something that comes out of my mouth very often. Uh, and we defined it a couple of weeks ago, but I'd like to define it again. Uh, virtue is conformity to a standard of right and then or a particular moral excellence. And this word excellence is a word that we'll, we'll bring back up in a minute, but that's uh, how it's used 
in, in the Bible as well, a particular moral excellence. And so we'll take that a step further and define what moral is. So what is moral? Of or relating to principles of right and wrong in behavior, conforming to a standard of right behavior. And so here again you have this idea of conforming to a standard in, in both the definition of virtue and moral. And so I think, uh, well, let's step back for a minute. Virtue is used, this word that's used in Second Peter is used five times um, in our New Testaments, and three of which are in Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, once in in second or yeah in second Peter um, chapter one in verse three it says there as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue and some of your translations will say glory and excellence um, so he called us by that uh, so that would be God I think that what we'll see is that's an attribute of him. Uh, going back to this, conforming to a standard of right behavior, uh, you know, I think that really tells us it comes from Him. Uh, but it's used two more times there in verse 5, uh, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. So uh, three times it's used there. The other times it's used in First Peter 2 in verse 9. First Peter 2 and in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Um, <clears throat> the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so here again you have, have God as being the one uh, that is the standard, uh, that idea of uh, excellence or um or moral rightness uh, there being used. And the other is Philippians 4 and verse 8. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Here again, in, in like the New American Standard, this, I, this word virtue, if there's any excellence is the way I believe it's translated there. Uh, meditate on these things. So here Paul is telling them you know, this, this list of things that he wants them to dwell on or meditate on, virtue is in that list. So uh, anything of moral excellence uh, we're supposed to dwell on those things, and that's that's really all we have as far as the idea of virtue. But I think there's you know just as far as the Bible to find it. But if we think of it and we kind of step back and think about well, what is what is moral excellence? What do we think of when we think of uh, moral excellence or virtue? It's those things that are really a step above. You know, it's it's being excellent, being perfect. And of course, we know the Bible talks a lot about being perfect. And I think what we see is that that uh, definition or, or that uh, standard comes from God. So He is morally excellent. He is, uh, he is virtuous uh, as, as we would think. But we should, you know, we should all be striving to be as much like Him as we can. I think that's really, you know, if you take it down in the simplest form, that's, that's what Peter's telling us is He wants us to be more like God. And, and the, one of the things to add to is godliness. Uh, our holiness. 
Uh, and that's something that will be, I guess, will be talked about next week. If you would turn to Proverbs 31. Um, this was a passage that came into my mind when I thought about uh, the word virtue. And in Proverbs 31 and verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? And so, for her worth is far above rubies. And, you know, I got to thinking about, well, what are the things that uh, Solomon puts on this lady that's virtuous? Uh, And I'd like for us to spend the rest of our time together this morning looking at that and just trying to take uh, this as kind of an outline or pattern uh, to talk about what maybe the definition of virtue is or moral excellence. What, what, what maybe is that that the Bible uh, would have us to, to understand? And I'm not by any way saying this is the only thing that fall, these are the only things that fall into that category. But I'd like for us to think about uh, these things together this morning. Let's pick up there in verse, uh, we'll start in verse 10 again. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. And what I tried to do is go down through these verses and just try to put, you know, kind of a short uh, word or, you know, definition of this. And what I got out of verse 11 is trust. Uh, that's, that would be something that I would say would define this lady as virtuous. Her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. What I'd like for us to think about is that in terms of us and God. And so, does, can God trust us? And He's not worried about us at any time. He has no lack of gain uh, when He's thinking about me as His servant going out. He's always able to trust me. Is that true of me? Uh, and I think you know that's kind of the question I want us to be asking ourselves this morning as we look through this, is can God trust me? Uh, can He safely trust me? And, and He has no lack of gain. Verse 12 she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Also, verse 22, I think, really uh, <clears throat> comes back to this. No, I got my I got my verses mixed up here. So, no, not verse 22. But verse 12, she does him good and evil, or she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. I think that's going back to verse 11. I don't got my notes mixed up. But that's going kind of back to verse 11. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Uh, how does that relate to us and God? Are we always doing him good? Are we representing him in a way that he would say uh, is good? That's a question for us. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. And one thing that you'll notice reading through this is there's a lot to deal with hard work. <laughs> and that's kind of what I got out of uh, this passage mostly in verse 18 as well. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. Here again, she's she's a hard worker. Verse 19, she stretches out her hand, hands to the distaff, and her hand holds up the spindle. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for uh, for the merchants. Verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And so, you know, what is Solomon? He's, he puts a lot of emphasis on she's, she's busy. She's active. And if I think about that in a spiritual way, am I that way uh, spiritually? Am I uh, that hard at work in the kingdom as this lady is 
uh, for her household? Am I um, not let, letting my lamp go out by night? Am I uh, being active in, in making, making sure uh, that I'm busy in the kingdom like this lady is? Verse 14. Uh, we, we read this already, but I, another uh, word that I want to take out of this would be diligent. She, she is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. And so, you know, she's very diligent. She's not just providing um, just anything. She's going and seeking. She's very diligent in what she is providing. Uh, she's not uh, lazy in that. Verse 15, She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. Uh, I got out of this that she's, she's being a servant. You know, she's serving others. I think that's uh, something that we should be busy about too. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her, from her profit, she plants a vineyard. If I was going to take a word out of this, I would say she's got good discernment. Uh, she's considering something. Uh, <clears throat> and she, she's able to be discerning in that way to know uh, which direction to go. Verse 20, she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. I'll say that's being benevolent. Uh, that's something that you know, we could ask ourselves, are, are we uh, being the same way uh, to those that are in need that we know we should be taken care of? Or are we uh, doing those things? Verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. So I would say she's prepared. She's prepared for the wintertime. And not only is she preparing herself, she's prepared uh, those around her. Uh, verse 17 and 25, verse 17, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. I think this is dealing with, with the spiritual aspect of being prepared, really. Uh, you know, if I think about uh, verse 21 being more physical, I think you can apply that in a physical, in a spiritual way. But 17, verse 17 and 25 really to me, seems like a, a spiritual thing that she's doing here. Strength and honor are her clothing. She will rejoice in time to come. So she's preparing in that way. Uh, and that's what allows her uh, to rejoice in the time to come. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Um, here I get that she's speaking wisdom and not foolishness. Uh, and, of course, I think that we, could, we would all agree that's a, a virtuous um, uh, quality, and then um, there at the end of verse twenty-six, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. And I think about the the verse that talks about let your speech be uh, seasoned with salt. Uh, let us let us you know basically making sure that we're speaking in a way that will be received, that we're kind in our, in our speech. Um, I think is very important, and so. I want to take and just read this as a whole now and just try to think about the things that we've talked about and, and add that and try to put that in your mind as maybe a, a good starting place for defining uh, who we should be in a virtuous way. Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? The heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and, willing, and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household 
and a portion for her maidservants. She considers her field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds a spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. He makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue she is the law of kindness. She watches over the way of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And then he says there, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, uh, she shall be praised. Give her, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Um, and so I think, you know, and I, I know there's other things that we could talk about here that we could relate to virtuous. It's just some, some definitions or some words that I pulled out of here uh, just it's for something to give us to think about, something hopefully that we can take and try to apply uh, when we look in Second Peter. And this is being something that Peter is obviously putting a lot of weight on. Uh, you know, he only talks about a few things, and one of the things he does say is virtue. And that's something that we need to be adding to our faith uh, the best that we can. Let's turn back to Second Peter, and we'll close. We'll close here. Second Peter, starting in verse 5 again. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble." For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. And so Peter says here in verses 12 through 15, you know, he mentions this word of reminding or remind. I think it's three, uh, three or four times here in four verses. And so I think that's, you know, us going through something like, you know, really focusing on verses like this and talking about them is a lot of times reminding us of things that we already know, things that we should know. Uh, and I think most of the time we do know. Uh, but a lot of times it's, it's, we just need a reminder to uh, think on these things because we're all here together and we all gather together uh, today and in the middle of the week to encourage one another uh, so that we won't uh, be lacking. We won't be barren or unfruitful. Uh, and so, you know, I don't, I don't want us to ever get of the mindset that, oh, I've heard this before, or, uh, you know, when are we going to be done with this or whatever? It, a lot of this is reminding one another and encouraging one another 
uh, in these quote-unquote simple things, you know, these things that are somewhat elementary uh, in our faith, but things that I know for me I need to be reminded of. I need to be reminded and, and think about just the word virtue. Am I being virtuous every day when I go about uh, my day? Does, does someone else define me as virtuous? You know, the people that I come in contact with every day, do they, would, would they say, well, he's a man of virtue? I, I don't know. I hope so. Uh, and I hope that everyone that all of us come in contact with w- would, would say that of us. Uh, but, you know, at the end of every service, we offer a time for anyone that uh, needs the prayers and encouragement of the saints here to um, come forward and um, tell us what that is so that we can uh, pray with you and pray for you. Or if there's any in the audience today that um, aren't Christians that, that would like to become one, we, we leave this time uh, for that. So if there's any need, uh, I would ask that you come forward as we stand and sing.